So I need to preface my remarks this morning by saying how much I love Israel. (laughs) By reiterating the fact that I do desire to make Aliyah at some point in my life. Um, Having lived there twice, Rose has lived there three times. Uh, We take Lev there. It's very important to us. Um, And also, when I came here to interview, uh, you know, I said some things about some of the policies of the government that I felt are a busha. And some people in the community were were quite offended. They only heard me saying it's a busha, not really hearing the fact that I have this love. Busha is like, it's a shame. It's like like an embarrassment. Um, Some of the policies. And, you know, their policies are very racist of the Israeli government, and people still kind of struggled to see that. And there's a development this week, and if you're not familiar with the development, I think it brings to light just the underlying racism behind all of the current government's uh, policies. Uh, anybody here not familiar with what happened this week? Great. Great. So this week, it became known that uh, Bibi Netanyahu spent hours and hours in meetings trying to negotiate a new far right-wing block. Not to be in a voting block with Likud, but a right-wing block that would then be part of a governing coalition. So if you're not familiar with so much of how Israeli politics work, so you have a party, and sometimes parties will come together and they'll form a block, which is essentially a new party that you're voting for, because they know they don't have enough votes to actually get enough seats on their own, but if they come together, they can have this block. But then you need to have a majority of seats in the Knesset to be able to govern, and so then you'll have a coalition. And the coalition is whichever parties and blocks that have a shared vision will come together, and they agree to vote along similar lines, and then people might have a seat in the cabinet, or there'll be different ministerial positions that people will get. So... This new right-wing bloc that Bibi himself spent time negotiating was to take Bayit HaYehudi, which was Naftali Bennett's pretty right-wing nationalistic uh, party, and to combine them with Tkuma, which is a very right-wing nationalistic uh, party, but more importantly, with Otzma HaYehudi. Otzma HaYehudi is best translated as Jewish power. It's no different than saying white power, right? Otzma Yehudi are the descendants of the Kach party, which was Mayor Kahana's party. If you're not familiar with Mayor Kahana, Mayor Kahana wanted to uh, remove all non-Jews from the land of Israel by, and the West Bank by either uh, um, forcing them to leave or buying their property or... Um, you know, or if they wanted to say, they could say, but they had to accept really a dini status, like they have in Muslim countries, uh, where you are of a lesser status, you are not, you don't have a vote, stuff like that. Um, that was Mayor Kahana. One of Mayor Kahana's students, Baruch Goldstein, uh, went into Hebron in the 90s and killed 29 Palestinians uh, at the uh, Machpelah, at the uh, the, 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 the grave 
um, and there's our patriarchs and matriarchs. Uh, these are the right-wing nationalists. They're not just right-wing nationalists, these are terrorists. Uh, they've been labeled as terrorists by the Knesset, and they were not allowed to enter politics for that reason. Now, there's a new ultra-right-wing nationalistic bloc called Ichud, uh, this, this, this union, it's Ichud Maflagot Hayamin. So this, this union of the, of the right parties, the parties on the right. Um, and the idea is that Netanyahu knew that if he really wanted to secure another term as prime minister, he's now in 10 years, he's coming up, next month will make 10 years since he was elected prime minister. So if he wants to hold power, he needs a real right-wing coalition and needs to get all these people involved. He doesn't want to waste any right-wing votes. He wants to make sure everybody will vote, every vote counts, and will secure him a position. This is a true busha. This is more, dis as, as numerous people in Israeli press have written, this is no different than Trump reaching out to David Duke and the KKK and publicly embracing them as part of his governing coalition. This is it's disgusting. It has no place in any decent society. It definitely has no place in Israel, which is supposed to be an orlegoyim, a light unto the nations. So how do we respond when we see something disgusting like this? How do we as Jews, what are we supposed to do when we see people just completely perverting the word of God and what we stand for as Jews? Well, we see in this parsha today what happens when we see people perverting the word of God. We have Cheta Egel. We have the golden calf. Moshe is up in the mountain with God having this incredible time. The people are freaking out. They don't understand where is this Moshe that led them out of Egypt? Where is this God that brought them out of Egypt? They are freaking out. They go to Aaron and say, we need to see. And Aaron says, give me all your gold. And they put the gold in the fire and out comes this golden calf. And Aaron says, this is your God. Now they're not saying, they're not going and worshiping other gods. They think that this calf is a manifestation of Adonai. And so they worship it. But they don't just worship it, they actually have an orgy around it. Right? That's... The, the description in the Torah. Like, that's really what it says they're doing. They're having a good party, a drunken orgy. And God says, do you see what your people are doing? And Moshe runs down and he sees this and he takes the golden calf and he has it melted down and ground down into a very, very fine powder and they sprinkle it in water and they make the Israelites drink this water. Which is really weird. <laughs> but it's actually not strange because Rashi explains that what's happening is the Sota ritual. Normally with the Sota ritual, you would take, you know, you, you write some stuff on a piece of paper, you take some, uh, some ground, some earth, put it in water, you make the uh, woman drink it, and if she was, uh, uh, if she was disloyal to her husband, you see the ill effects, uh, you know, happen. And so, the idea here, instead of having earth, we take the gold. You take uh, the gold. And the idea is that we would be able to see which of the Israelites actually sinned. Which were the ones 
whose hearts were led astray that were involved in this process. So then, Moshe is just absolutely furious. So what does he do? He's so upset at these people for completely perverting the word of God and, not, and losing faith that everything will actually be okay. So what does he do? He says, everybody who is for God, come to me. And it says in the Torah that all of B'nai Levi, all of the Levites, come to him. And what do they do? It says they, they take their swords. And Moshe says, everybody has to take your swords and go and kill anybody that was involved in this, in the Egel, in this great sin. Kill your kin. Kill your family. Brothers, kill your brothers. That's strange. Because brothers killing brothers, you'd say, well, Levim, their brothers are only going to be other Levim. But we know that there are a lot of other people involved in this, not just Levim. So how could it be the brothers kill your brothers? Now, one understanding is, a, is that it's, um, you know, people, brothers, where you share a mother, but not necessarily share a father. So they, they, you could have a brother who's not a Levi, except that's actually not how things worked. <laughs> that's just not how things worked. And people married within their tribe up to that point. So you couldn't actually have a brother that's not a Levi. So the Malbim comes in, and he explains to us actually what's happening. Malbim says that the Leviim go to every gate. It says, they, and you should go from gate to gate and kill everybody. And it says they went to each gate of each encampment of the different tribes. He was explaining that the tribes were all camped out around the Mishkan, but you would have, like, wherever you would have an encampment of a tribe, there would be, you know, some sort of enclosure around them. There would be some main gate. At least, if there's not a physical barrier, there's still a main entrance towards the camp, which is where a Sanhedrin would gather, where the, the elders of the tribe would gather. And so what they were really doing was the Levim went around to each group of elders and said, this is what Moshe commands. We need to make sure that everybody follows this command. And so what happens is, it's not the Levim themselves who kill the Israelites, but the Levim stand guard and make sure that everybody actually... In, takes care of this, and it falls on the responsibility of each person to kill their family member. So if your brother, if your father, if your uncle, right, your cousin, your nephew, whoever, if they show the signs of having been guilty, having drunk the water with the gold in there, the soto water, then you are responsible for killing them. Not anybody else. You yourself are responsible for killing them. Which is really, really tough. This idea of having to do this. Now, we learn in the Talmud, uh, in Mesechet Shabbat, it's actually Da 54 uh, Bet. It says, anyone who is able to protest against the actions of the members of their household and doesn't is held accountable for their actions. Anyone who is able to protest against the actions of people in their town and doesn't is held accountable for their actions. Anyone who is able to protest against the actions of the entire world and doesn't is held accountable for the actions of the entire world. We are all responsible for one another. We're all mixed up with one another. And if we can't take action, then who will? Who will listen to us more than the people who are close in our lives? We have to be in relationship. If we're not in relationship with somebody, we're not going to be able to teach them. And if we are the ones to take action against 
our loved ones, then other people will know we're not messing around. If something is that serious, we're actually going to, you know, to reprimand, in this case, kill those who we love, who are close to us. We're not joking. This is a serious matter. We have to remove this cancer from society because it has no place in society. If we allow it to stay, it will thrive and it will destroy the entire body politic. We have to remove it. In this case, we're talking about really extreme, uh, extreme uh, efforts and actions that we have to take. But sometimes we don't have to go so extreme. Sometimes we just have to say something. We just have to speak up. And that's what we, said, we started to see this week as well. We saw some loud voices from the center in Israel taking action and putting aside their egos and agreeing to form an opposing block against Netanyahu's coalition. So we now have a new party called Kahol Lavan, blue and white. Kahol Lavan is made up of Chosen Israel, which is the party of Benny Gantz. Benny Gantz. So Benny Gantz, if you're not familiar, former IDF chief, his mother grew up in the same shtetl as Louis Sneh. So, the Sefer Torah from which we read, Parshat Pinchas, Adzar Benny Gantz's grandfather, probably laying from that same Sefer Torah as well. Kind of neat. Benny Gantz, he's been a very outspoken critic of Netanyahu for the last many years. Going back to, about, he's been part of a group of former IDF chiefs who spoke out, said that we have to engage in dialogue with the Palestinians, we cannot cut off dialogue. Part of a group of former IDF and Mossad chiefs who spoke in support of the Iran nuclear deal. Um, so he's been a very vocal opponent. So Benny Gantz, he's a centrist, but said we're going to come together. And who do you come together with? With Telem, which is Moshe Ya'alon's party. Moshe Ya'alon, another former IDF chief. By the way, there's a fantastic photo of Moshe Ya'alon and Benny Gantz both being in positions of power. At the same time, Bibi's been uh, prime minister. And seeing these two guys flanking Bibi, his, his you know, former advisors and, and leaders, and yet here they are challenging him. And then Gabi Ashkenazi, another former IDF chief, who doesn't really have a party, but there was talk about him you know, on the left. And also Yesh Atid, which is Yair Lapid's, uh, Yair Lapid's a former journalist, um, and uh, his party, Yesh Atid, which won many seats in Knesset five years ago. I think about five years, uh, a few years back. Um, so we have this new centrist coalition. All these people putting aside their egos and saying, no, we can come together. So much so that Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid worked out a deal saying, if we win, first two years, prime, the premiership will go to Gantz, and after that, it will go to Lapid. Right? Saying, we know that this is so extreme, there's no place for right-wing, right-wing radicalism in Israeli society. We will put aside our egos and we'll share the premiership. That's a big deal. Really big deal for them to do that. But it's not just these Israeli voices that spoke up. I want to read to you the statement that AJC put out, the American uh, uh, Jew, uh, Jewish 
Council. Jewish Committee, sorry, American Jewish Committee. It says, AJC does not normally comment on political parties and candidates during an election, but with the announcement that Otzma Yehudit, Jewish Power, a new political party formed by longtime followers of the late Rabbi Meir Kahana, is now seeking election to the Knesset, we feel compelled to speak out. The views of Otzma Yehudit are reprehensible. They do not reflect the core values that are the very foundation of the state of Israel. The party might conceivably gain enough votes to enter the next Knesset and potentially even become part of the governing coalition. Historically, the views of extremist parties reflecting the extreme left or the extreme right have been firmly rejected by mainstream parties, even if the electoral process of Israel's robust democracy has enabled their presence, however small, in the Knesset. Ultimately, it is up to Israel's Central Elections Commission to determine, as it has done in the past, whether Otzma Yehudit can be listed on the ballot on election day. Looking ahead to April 9th, which is the election, AJC reaffirms our commitment to Israel's democratic and Jewish character, which we hope will be the ultimate winners in every election cycle. Which is a pretty powerful statement from the AJC. And piggybacking on that statement, which was tweeted out, APEC retweeted this statement only line that they say is, we agree with AJC. APEC has a long-standing policy not to meet with members of this racist and reprehensible party. APEC. APEC is a neutral organization. APEC is not a neutral organization. APEC supports whatever government is in position, in power. Right. APEC is not right or left. But APEC stands behind the government in power pretty much always. It doesn't matter if it's a left government. It doesn't matter if it's a right government. APEC will stand behind the government. APEC never speaks out against the government. It's worth pointing out, neither of these organizations call out Likud. Neither of these organizations call out Netanyahu. But they speak up because they realize that they've reached a point where we cannot say nothing. AJC saying they never comment, but here they will make the exception. They have to. APAC didn't release a statement. They didn't release more than just those two sentences, but by retweeting AJC's tweet, which is saying a lot. It says a lot. This is not taking up arms against our brothers and sisters, but this is speaking up when we see gross perversion of Torah values being done in our name. And Bibi has said multiple times that he represents Jews everywhere. He doesn't. We as Jews cannot sit by and let a perversion of justice take place. If we do, we are no different than those Israelites that joined in in the Cheta Egel, in the sin of the golden calf. It's tough to have to call out our brothers and sisters and challenge them, but we have to. It's what Moshe sent the Leviim out there to do. We're called by God to do this. By the way, when Moshe does send the Israelites, the, Levi, the Leviim out, it says, as God commanded you, you have to go do this. And all the rabbis raise the question, where did God say this? God doesn't say this. God, nowhere in the Torah does God actually say to Moshe, go down there and tell the, Le- the Leviim to go around and make sure everybody's killed. And the answer is, because it says elsewhere in the Torah, you can't stand by, like you can't see uh, people perverting Torah 
worshiping others. If they do, you have to even take up arms against your kin. And it's what we're required to do. We are not allowed to sit by idly and see our home, to see Israel get in bed with extremists. There's no place for it. There's a cancer in our society. I hope that anybody here, anybody that you know, ever feels it's difficult to challenge Israel, to, to speak out against the policies of the government, I hope by seeing AJC and APEC standing up and speaking out, you too will feel empowered to speak out. Because there's absolutely no place for this in our home, in our people, in our faith, in our Torah. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Shabbat shalom.